millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's Football Show with Baker Others. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport 2. Happy New Week, you lovely lot. This is Talk Sports Women's Football Show podcast. I'm Faker Others, bringing you loads of exclusive content for you to get stuck into. Don't forget, you can listen back to the full Women's Football Show via the Talk Sport app. This week, we were on on Monday night at 7pm, so just swipe for Talk Sport 2, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. But the Women's Football Show podcast will be here every week, rounding up the best from the show. Where do I even begin? What a weekend of WSL fixtures that was. We were treated to late comeback. Derby drama and a certain lioness was back in action as well. Let's hear how it sounded on TalkSport. Now our focus is firmly on the Women's Super League. Charles crosses far post, James Header, goal! 1-0 to Chelsea. And lucky at the far post was Sam Kerr. 2-0 to Chelsea, brilliantly finished by Erin Cuthbert. Arsenal nil, Aston Villa won totally against the run of play. The visitors take the lead. Point of pace and a great show by the Leicester goalkeeper, Leipzig. Manchester United won, Leicester won. Could there be a great finish at Arsenal, Charlotte Richardson? We are into 12 minutes of additional time. It is Arsenal one, Aston Villa one. She loves scoring against Aston Villa and Katie McCabe has produced a sublime finish. That is her sixth goal in seven matches against Villa. 66 gone, Brighton one. Spurs to this is a brilliant hit by Grace Clinton. The atmosphere at the Emirates is electrifying. Arsenal 2, Aston Villa 1. They've done it. They've turned this game around. Alicia Russo with her first goal for the Arsenal. And what an important one it could be. We said earlier, in general play, Villa would just drop in deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's why Arsenal from the first one, um, McCabe on the overlap and then shooting from the edge of the 18-yard box. And uh, they've taken the pressure off of Jonas Eideveld, just, just a, a touch. And it's full time here, and it's the Everton players who are celebrating in front of the Anfield Road stand. It's finished Liverpool nil, Everton won. Spurs, who won the last eight against Brighton, have done it again this afternoon. It's going to finish here, Brighton won, Spurs three. So many huge results to talk about there, and I caught up with former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci to reflect on the weekend's action. 
So Arsenal 2, Aston Villa 1. There was late drama at the Emirates as Arsenal scored twice in stoppage time to beat Villa. Maz Pacheco's header gave them the lead in the 25th minute, but that was against the run of play because Arsenal registered 28 shots during the game. It took until the 92nd minute for Casey McCabe to break through with the equaliser, though. And just two minutes later, it was the returning lioness, Beth Mead, who laid the ball off to Alessia Russo, who did just enough to make it past Villa keeper Daphne Van Domselaar. Uh, Carla Ward, very unhappy with the 12 minutes of added time at the end of the game. We'll hear her thoughts shortly. But first, here's the Arsenal manager, Jonas Eideval, speaking to Talk Sports' Charlotte Richardson. As an experience, of course, that was that was great, scoring two goals in, um, in added time and, and turning the game around. I think the performance was strong, also overall. I think the first half was, was a strong, controlled performance. I think it's very illogical that we are uh, losing that game in halftime but football is like that sometimes and it's what makes football exciting and then second half very much becomes uh, I should say a game where we need to get more offensive the, the longer it goes and we need to exert more pressure onto them but we can't lose patience we can't force things over because if you can see the second goal it's a different story right so I think the players done brilliantly uh, with that. I'm really happy with the substitutions coming on. I think we um, we, we really build the pressure, and um, now it's easy in, in retrospect to to be even more happy with it because we scored two goals. But I remember and told the players that as well in the 75th minute that I was thinking to myself to say like this can't really be it. Like uh, it can't be that the team is doing so many good things and not getting rewarded for it. That's not normal in football. Usually, it, that's going to that's gonna turn around for that team. And it did today as well. And it's just the belief that's really important. Yeah, it is really important, as was those subs as well. And Beth Mead's entry to the pitch was greeted by the biggest cheer of the game as she returned to action 11 months after injuring her ACL. She also spoke with Charlotte after the game. Beth, a return. Your first few touches of a football lead to an incredible assist and a winner here at the Emirates. Couldn't have gone much better, right? I'll take that one. Yeah, no, the girls, you know, needed a little bit of energy on the pitch and my job, uh, Stina came on, did amazing. Chloe came on, did amazing. And yeah, it's an important three points in the season for us. Watching you in the build-up to that, it felt so instinctive to lay the ball off. You've had a long time out, but still that instinctiveness is there and it just shows how much progress you've made. Yeah, and even watching the game, you can see, you know, girls are taking shots with players in front of them and, you know, fake a shot, somebody else becomes free and that did, I did that for Lessie today, so for watching on, it kind of helped a little bit, but yeah, it's nice to know that my brain's working to my feet. Yeah, they're in perfect synergy, yeah. they certainly are. And how important was it to get that first win of the season here in front of the fans who backed you throughout that 90 plus minutes? No, the fans were amazing today. I think the girls actually played a really good game. Unfortunately, we we conceded from a set piece and it was 1-0, it gets cagey and, you know, we, we did amazing to get back in the game, get the two goals and get the three points. Uh, brilliant win for Arsenal after a really tough start to the season, Jenna. How much did they need that? Yeah, massively. I think, you know, Jonas Eidevel's touching right there at 1-0 down when you are going to get the equaliser. It's always that risk of, you know, conceding another one and then you make the task even bigger ahead of you. But I think it was a huge result and it really starts their season. I think the manner in which they turn that around, you know, two goals in the extra time added on time was huge for them. But I think obviously the biggest plus for them yesterday was Beth Mead coming on. I think ideally when you, you've got a player coming back like Beth Mead after a year out, 
you kind of want to bring her on on a nice comfortable match maybe when you're winning quite comfortably but she had to come on and you know she got the assist I think for her mentally and what she's been through I think it's absolutely huge and you know the assist I was watching it back and she could have backed out of that challenge to to to, to lay it off to Russo but you know uh, Jonas has said if she weren't ready she wouldn't have been on the bench so mm. really happy for her to get the assist and Russo's got her first goal as well so yeah massive result for them and the manner in which they did it I think the crowd were the atmosphere sounded amazing as well so have no doubt they really helped the team to to get that result over the line 12 minutes added on at the end of the game it's fair to say Aston Villa boss Carla Ward was not happy I don't know where we're getting this time from. I, I asked her, she, she said she would explain it after and obviously I've not seen her. So I would quite like to know where this continuous time is coming from because it's, it's crazy and we're asking players to put their bodies through that. It's, it's tough, um, especially when we have the international calendar like we do. So yeah, it's, it's mind boggling, but what can you do? It's pointless talking about it. I know last week you were slightly disappointed in your side's performance, but I get the impression that from this afternoon that sent a bench watch for what you want week in, week out. And if you keep doing that, then the victories are going to come. Yeah, listen, that was reminiscent of the opening day against Manchester United. We were excellent then as well. And, you know, two late goals has hurt us and two late goals has hurt us again today. And we'll have to reflect and have a look at that. But the overall, I'm proud of the players tonight. That one hurts, but I'll pick them back up and hopefully pick them back up and go again. Yeah, three defeats from three for Aston Villa. But, you know, with all her experience, Carla Ward surely can can try and turn this around. But what's going wrong for them? And also, was 12 minutes about right? I don't think there's reason to panic with Aston Villa. I think they've been putting in some good performances. I think, you know, that they've ultimately lost out to, to a good Arsenal side yesterday and, and the same against Manchester United. But I think they'll get the results if they carry on playing how they are when they come up against other opponents. Uh, in terms of the the extra time, um, players just have to prepare for it now and teams have to prepare that you are going to get a lot of added time on the end of matches. Yeah, we'll talk about that Manchester United game in a second. But Manchester City are top of the table on goal difference after they put five past Bristol City, who've really been struggling since their return to the WSL. Jill Rod and Bunny Shaw scored two goals each. Lyra Alexandri added a fifth. All of those goals, by the way, coming from headers, which is, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but Jenna, what a signing Jill Rod is, as we expected. Oh, yeah, she's really proven her worth, isn't she? A, a world-class player and she got two in the first half yesterday again. And, you know, we were talking at the beginning of the season about City only making that one signing, but what a signing she's been so far. It was just a real ruthless first-half display from City and you've got to feel a bit worried for Bristol. Next up is Arsenal. Both Manchester United and Leicester continued their unbeaten starts to the season at the weekend and played out a one-all draw. Leicester took the lead early in the second half with Aileen Wheeler turning in at the back post from a free kick. But United responded really well just seven minutes later through a Maya Letizia header. Um, it's been an impressive start to the season for Leicester, Jenna, hasn't it? I mean, it doesn't look like a team that's going to be in a relegation battle again. No, I mean, they're totally transformed. And I wouldn't be surprised now if Willie Kirk is actually changing his aims for this season because they they were so good yesterday. Um, they had to soak up a lot of pressure in the first half. Manchester United completely dominated the first half, but they they found that way to stay in the game. Going there, people would have expected United to win. Unfortunately, lost Gabby George quite early on, which is a real blow for them. She looked in a lot of pain. So hopefully... She, she won't be out for too long. But with one eye on that PSG fixture, that's a big loss for them. Uh, they brought on Riviera right back, um, who 
she struggled at times. I think she's young, a bit inexperienced. And I think Leicester noticed that that was their weak point. Um, and they just looked like they were running out of answers. They just couldn't break Leicester down. And they obviously finished the game. I think they'll be disappointed. And now potentially they go into PSG, which is a massive game without Gabby George and the cover for Gabby George in Riviere. So that 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 spot, it looks a bit worrying for them. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? And after the game, actually, um, United manager Mark Skinner was asked how Gabby George was and he told MUTV, I imagine it doesn't look good. So that certainly doesn't look good if you're a Manchester United fan either. Let's hear the thoughts of the United boss, shall we? He spoke to TalkSport's Dave Rowe after the match. You give the, the their team credit, but we created the chances we got to score them. So I've got to look at our ruthless nature and I've got to ask us to be more ruthless, knowing that... When you turn around games quickly like this, there's no time for thinking. So the players have to step up in those moments and take those moments. We've created enough today to win the game unless they didn't create enough to, to get a draw. It's just one chance that we've made a mistake and they've punished us. That happens in games like this and we've got to be better. I'm really frustrated with that goal conceded, but the reality is you got back into it fairly quickly afterwards. Did you feel there was time to go on and then get all three points? Yeah, there should have been. And, and we created, but then there's little moments where I'm asking players to be more ruthless. We're building around the box and we need to be into the box to finish. And that's one of the things that I've noticed this season is that we've got to be more prominent and direct in the box at times when we're in crossing positions. We're, we're staying outside the box and then giving them a chance to defend it. We've got to be better at that. It's something I'm going to fix. But we've got a new team in new positions that are playing together in those front lines. So they just don't know yet. And I've said it's going to take eight games or so for us to get into flow. A couple of injuries. You lost Gabby George early on and, and JZ wasn't available at all today. Yeah, so JC um, was still feeling the after effects of the dead leg, um, but it will hopefully be ready for PSG. And obviously, Gabby, I'll assess once we're inside, but it doesn't look like it's a, a nice one. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. And obviously, we'll give us a ball once we know. Okay, just finally, this is a really busy time for you. You've had three home games in no time at all. You're back on the road in, in midweek. Are you managing to sort of combine these competitions? Because obviously, you want to go through in the Champions League as well. Yeah, I mean, look. The reality is it hits you, right? So we've got to be there and we've got to be there. If you want to compete, and this is, you get a choice. If you want to compete at this level and you want to compete in these games, then you have to be ready to go and perform after every two or three days. And so for my expectation is we need to be ready and I'm going to make sure our team are ready to do that. And there's no, no excuses. We can't have excuses. You've got to be ready to perform. Yep, they certainly do. That's on Wednesday. Uh, back to the weekend's WSL action, though. And after being held to a draw last week by nine-player Manchester City, Chelsea were back to winning ways on Saturday against West Ham, putting two past the Hammers at Kings Meadow. Sam Kerr got off the mark for the season in the 36th minute, her first start of the campaign. Erin Cuthbert then secured the three points in the 90th minute. And the victory extends six-time WSL champions Chelsea's amazing home run. It's their 17th successive win in the competition. And they haven't dropped points at either Kings Meadow or Stamford Bridge since that goalless draw with Arsenal back in February 2022. Uh, by the way, Frank Kirby also made a return to the Chelsea side after she's been out for the last eight months. So it was a positive weekend all round. Let's hear from the Chelsea camp. Boss Emma Hayes uh, assessed the game with Talk Sports Joe Shannon. Emma, well done tonight. Um, what was the key to the victory? I do think the second half was a difference in terms of we made changes and I think we played a lot quicker. Uh, we were close together, but I think in the first half, you have to break good tech. When the team plays in a 5-2-3 block and they, they're compact in the central areas, 
you have to work the two centre midfielders and I don't think we did it well enough in the first half. I think the players that came in certainly improved on that part and we were comfortable in the second half and I think we're a work in progress. That last half an hour, does that give you a lot of encouragement in terms of the way you played? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to focus on that because still so early in the season, that's the first time Sam Kerr's played. It's the first time Fran Kirby's played. Did they look rusty? Yes, they did. And I think we have to give them time. We've got to be patient with that. But I think the players that came from the bench did a tremendous job. It probably says it all about Sam, doesn't it? That even if she was a bit rusty, she still gets that all-important goal. And that was important, wasn't it? Yeah, she she's always going to take them chances. I think... She's just got to settle back into being with the team and her hold-up play and finding a rhythm on them things, and she will. She just needs a bit of time. And just on Erin Cuthbert, you had the presentation before the game. She she marks her, her sort of 200 appearances or 201 appearances in style. How, how, how important is she to you? You saw the second half showed that. She came in, I think she made a stamp on the game. I thought she was the biggest difference in the second half and came in and operated that central area with minimal touch and we had better control but as I said we had better movement better decision making uh, throughout the second half yeah, great for Chelsea to have um, Kerr and Kirby back, even if, uh, as Emma Hayes says, Jenna, they're a little bit rusty. But what did you make of Chelsea's performance and did West Ham uh, resist them enough? I think West Ham will be disappointed. I thought the first half they limited them, really. Um, as Emma Hayes said, I think they they made it really difficult for, for Chelsea to break them down in those central areas. Um, and it did take them the substitutions to come on in the second half to change that and just speed up the play, which is where they had a lot of success. Um, I think West Ham will be disappointed because if you look back at the two goals, it's just small margins. They've just switched off for a couple of seconds and they've been punished against, you know, when you're playing against world-class players, they will do that. So for West Ham, I think they'll come away and feel frustrated. I think for Chelsea, second half, they started to look a lot more like the Chelsea side. You know, we know, I thought Cuthbert, as well, Cuthbert was excellent uh, for her second go, goal, the little give and go. Um, and then the header from Sam Kerr was quite Sam Kerr at her best, wasn't it? Yeah, and this is what you've been waiting for. Brighton won, Tottenham <laughs> three, Spurs coming from behind against Brighton to secure their second win of the season. Elizabeth Turland's eighth-minute header gave Brighton an early lead, but Martha Thomas's quick reactions gave Spurs the equaliser just before half-time. And it was Tottenham's Grace Clinton who put them ahead with a long-range shot after 65 minutes before Rhea Percival made it 3-1 in stoppage time. Real delight for Tottenham fans. They finally ended that awful away run that they've had. Hadn't won an away match in nine games, if you remember. A real boost uh, for your side, Jenna. Yeah, I thought you'd never ask about this game, Faye. I <laughs> <laughs> got there in the end. <laughs> No, yeah, a great result on the road, especially after, as you say, not not, not winning on the road for so long. But yeah, it was a great all-round performance. I think going down 1-0 so early on, it showed the character to, to stay in the game and they kept playing the way that Robert wants them to play. Whereas last season, they would have conceded and heads go down, drop back into the low block and don't try and, you know, get that goal back. But really positive from the minute they, they conceded. Um, Martha Thomas, four goals in four. What are they going to do when Beth England comes back? <laughs> it's, a problem. it's a problem we've never had before, but it's a great, a great, you know, she's got off the ground firing. And then Grace Clinton, such an exciting young talent and what, what a goal from her. And yeah, it was in the end, you know, to go on and, and get the third with Percival coming on off the bench, which 
again this season, you saw in midweek Conti Cup, I think Robert basically started a whole different team, which shows the depth that they've got and they're six nil up against Reading. So yeah, I think I think it's looking it's it's a great great time to be a Spurs player and around the club and Aston Villa next, which I think will be a really, really tough um and interesting match. Yeah, it's gonna be a fascinating game that one, isn't it? And and as you say, Martha Thomas on the score sheet again, she's been such a good signing. Grace Clinton, Rhea Percival as well. Maybe Beth England's absence is actually giving off other players opportunities to step up. Yeah, I think, you know, Beth England last last season was basically the reason, you know, she, her goals kept us up ultimately and she was the star player and you, you knew if you gave the ball to Beth, she, she'd score. And I think now other players are stepping up and obviously Martha Thomas only joined the club, I think it was a week before the start of the season and and, to, and she hadn't really got a lot, a lot of minutes under her about the season before at um, United. So she's really gelled in adapted well and those con- those connections are showing on the pitch and like I say I can't wait for Beth England to get back and it's it's really exciting especially given that we're seeing now the subs come on onto the pitch that they're really making an impact and, and the quality and and the levels aren't dropping at all so yeah it's really excited and I think um, I think people are a bit weren't sure about what Tottenham are going to be this season, but I think everyone's very, very happy and confident that it's going to be a successful season. Struggling Everton picked up their first win of the season against high-flying Liverpool in the Merseyside derby. Liverpool dominated the opening stages of the game, had a goal controversially ruled out for offside as well. Then Everton captain Megan Finnegan put the visitors in front with a brilliant header in the 31st minute and Liverpool just couldn't find their way back into the game, could they? Uh, Relief for Everton maybe, Jenna. Three much-needed points for them to get them up and running this season. How much confidence is that going to give them? It's going to give them a lot, especially given it's against their enemies, if you like. (laughs) Uh, Strong. (laughs) Their rivals. So, yeah, massive, massive result for them. And I thought both teams had so many chances. Um, Everton, they just love playing at Anfield, don't they? It's the second time now that they've upset Mm -hmm. Liverpool in their their home ground. Liverpool, obviously, frustrated again, but it's a fine margins. I think both teams could have won it in the end. Um, some really good chances, good saves, balls crashing off the, the crossbar. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's what Everton needed now to kickstart their season. I was worried for them at the beginning of the season, just given uh, the signings that they've made and ha- were they really going to kick on from last season? But I think this could be the, the confidence and the kickstart that they need. Yeah, Liverpool have never scored against Everton at Anfield or beaten them. <laughs> How is their own ground becoming, well, the, the the main stadium, if you like, becoming a bogey bogey ground for them? Oh, because they haven't played there enough, I would say. <laughs> I uh, don't think they'll be planning that that fixture there next season, will they? <laughs> no, maybe not. Uh, the closing stage of the game was just completely end-to-end, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Yeah. Unbelievable we didn't see another goal go in. But well, what was it that was lacking for Liverpool? I think just that clinical touch in the in the final third. I think uh, that they definitely had the chances. I think it was unfortunate, and I think ultimately it just wasn't their day. That they hit the crossbar quite a few times as well, mm. and, and sometimes it's just it's just not your day. But you know, you go again, pick your heads up, and and go again next week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, speaking of Liverpool, TalkSport's Bradley Hayden caught up with the Liverpool vice captain Taylor Hines last week before that defeat to Everton to ask her about their start to the season. I think it's really not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Um, We always say this, but it's so true that we're such a tight knit group and obviously you can I think that kind of reflects on our performances and everyone's on the same page and we've made sure that we're all making those connections with each other and I think Beardy's brought in a great group of girls um, from last season as well and I think yeah it's just you can really see it and it's just a good belief um, in the team and we've set our standards really high this year. I think you can see that we're like really eager to push ourselves on. You mentioned that there. Does it feel like there's plenty more to come from this side then in it as, as the season goes on? Yeah, definitely. We've still got a few players that are injured that are yet to be um, training with us and when they come back, we've got a team of 22, 23, so there's plenty, yeah, plenty more to see and it should be an exciting season for us. And and you were given the captain's armband for that for that win against uh, Arsenal as well. How how much of a proud moment was that for you, captain in the team, to to a huge win in front of a huge crowd and, and celebrating with the Liverpool fans at the end? Yeah, definitely. It's a proud moment for me to be vice captain of Liverpool because I have so much love for this club. And yeah, I'll just main importantly that I was. In, um, proud of the team as well for the performance like everyone just played their hearts out and yeah it made me really proud to be able to walk the walk the team out and come away with that win as well yeah my family were there in the in the Liverpool section as well so it was yeah it was nice feeling nice to see them you mentioned how you're taking it one game at a time at the minute but but what's the ambition I suppose for Liverpool then this season because you you stayed up last year is there a real belief you could maybe kick on this season and and, and maybe have have a go in one of the cup competitions as well yeah definitely I think last season was about obviously we just got promoted back into the league so just maintaining that and trying to stay in that league and stay in a good position really and we succeeded that so this year with the new players that have come in, you can tell that we've, we're trying to push it for even more. We are trying to push for that top half of the league and 
I mean, like you said before, we've um, started off with a great start. So it's just seeing how the season progresses. And I don't think we're going to take our foot off the pedal just yet. We're going to keep going and keep vibing. And I think that gives us so much confidence and motivation to want to keep performing to our best of our ability. And yeah, obviously with the cup games, it's always nice to to get to the final. I haven't been there, haven't been to a final yet, especially FA Cup. It would mean a lot to get to the FA Cup final. But yeah, we really... We're really working on it, and I think as this team now that we can we can go far with this team. You mentioned some of the new additions there as well. What, what sort of impact have have they had? Because it was a busy summer for for the club off the pitch in terms of the transfer window and some of the additions that you managed to add this summer. Yeah, they've been a great impact. It's it's funny because it's like even a week or two weeks into pre season, it like they've been there for a year a year already because. We're just one of those groups that everyone gets along on and off the pitch as well. And you you really just see that like family unit. So, yeah, the additions have been amazing and they've really taken everything on board. And yeah, you can, like I said before, you can see that with our performances. I spoke to Matt Beard uh, before the start of the season and he was speaking so excitedly about what it was going to be like training at Melwood because that's that's a training ground that's got a lot of history for Liverpool, I mean, what what sort of impact has that had so far? Training in that that environment and, and those facilities. Yeah, I think it just shows the professionalism and the the standards. Really, like we are a top club and we're reaching for it even more. And I think just having those standards, for example, just the pitches, the standard of the pitches, training on good pitch, and then leading up to a game where the quality where we've been training well with the quality of the pitch and just little things like that really make a difference and even the food the food is lovely the food's been so good as well but just little things like that and the recovery having the supply of ice baths and it just takes out a game even further because those are those are little things that are really important in the game I mean it's it's not just just more obviously more than one factor to put down to performance, but in terms of those two results so far, training at Millwood does that show the impact that it's having so far in terms of those two two victories that you've managed to get in the league this season? Yeah, definitely. I'd say it's it's more of the fact that we've been able to push our standards even further. Um, like I said just then, like being able to get the right recovery for ourselves, the right nutrition. These these are little things, but these factors really go into training, everyday life, and yeah, just being able to have Melwood as our training ground as well and make it our own. And I think it's yeah, it's brought a good vibe and a good feeling as well to the team as well. We're speaking before the Merseyside derby, which is to be played at Anfield once again. But in terms of playing at Anfield again this season, what is that like? And just as how much of a, of a good moment is that for you guys to be able to play there? Yeah, it's a great feeling like to play at our home ground, like Anfield. It's just, and just when you're here, you'll never walk alone. Come on, honestly, it's a surreal feeling. Obviously, last time we didn't get the result that we wanted to, but hopefully this time we can make up for it. But the fans that our support is just, yeah, I think we we definitely have the best support in the WSR. I can say that for sure because our fans come everywhere with us, down to Brighton, in the freezing cold, whatever the weather, they're always there. So the fact that we've been able to play this derby at home as well, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a great feeling.
I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but not many players in their career play for both Everton and Liverpool. I mean, how have you how have you found that so far and cross, crossing that divide in Liverpool? Yeah, to be fair, I think I kind of tried to forget about <laughs> before. Um, no, but yeah, I just have so much love for Liverpool as a club and they've really made me feel at home here. I feel like I've been here for years and, and years and years and obviously I've been up north for years. So I think that also helped with my decision to move to Liverpool. Um, being just like living in the city, I just, yeah, there's just something about living up north. It's it's nice, the people are nice, people are friendly. Um, but yeah, I never really, yeah, think about it. And to be fair, I think people sometimes forget as well, which is nice because I, I hate talking about it. But yeah, I just have so much love for Liverpool as a club. So hopefully we'll do them proud. Definitely. And uh, let's take you back to the start then. How, how did you get into football then when you were younger? So my, I have an older brother and he used to play football as well. So he um, we just played for a local boys team. And I think I must have just went to his watch him. And then there was my, uh, the same team, but my age group. So it must have been like under... 10s or something like that and I actually joined that boys team so we played for the same team just different age groups and then my dad ended up being my manager for the team as well so it was like a fam it was like a family thing and from then on I just progressed up um moved to uh child for uh Northampton Town uh Centre of Excellence and then as well kind of got scouted for Arsenal so I tried for Arsenal and then grew up at Arsenal for about seven years and then obviously Everton, now Liverpool. And how did you found, find playing with the boys then when you were younger? Because I've spoke, I've sat in on a few FA briefings and they say they really noticed the difference between players and young girls who have had the opportunity to play with the boys when they're growing up and, and those who haven't. I loved it. <laughs> I think I always got stuck in. My dad tells me a story where I think I got hurt or something and my dad wanted to bring me off like carrying me off and I was like like crying like no I want to stay on uh, I don't want to come off the pitch but my teammates at the time were great support like I think people obviously uh, people always had something to say about girls playing football but it honestly didn't bother me at all and my my teammates were yeah great they they knew my ability and they knew that some of the lads in the other team might be shocked at how good I could be at that age as well so they were yeah they were great and yeah, I loved every minute of it playing for a boys team. I think it was weird for me to tran- transition to a women a women's team or girls team because that's all I ever know ever knew for a few years. And obviously, growing up with an older brother, him playing for a boys team, I didn't really know there was girls teams out there. So when I did make that transition, it was a bit of a shock to me. But again, I loved it as well. And what players either in the men's or the women's game really look? did you look up to when you were younger or, or inspired you when you were younger? I think it was probably more the point where I got to Arsenal and I was so, I think that's when I was really invested in football then. Um, like to Rachel Yankee, um, being able to watch her. And at the time she was like, she had my favourite number on as well. And she was a winger and a, di- um, a player with a diverse background as well. I think that's what I really looked up to and, I think now I'm in that situation, I forget that sometimes and I'm like, that's who I used to inspire to be and some kids now inspire to be like me and I think it's such a nice feeling to have that and to be able to feel that I can inspire the younger generation. 
And in terms of Rachel Yankee as a player, what what bits about her game did you really like the most? I think it's just it was just the way she held herself and the way she was just she was just so good at attacking. And I think I really take that into my game now, and especially for me this season, that's what I'm really working on is my attacking side as well. I've always been like an attacking fullback, but I used to be a winger as well. But um, so I see myself as an attacking fullback. So just try and implement my um strengths higher up the pitch as well and as a fullback then as you mentioned then what what fullbacks do you really enjoy watching in the current day then um do you know what? lucy bronze i think she's just solid isn't she and to be fair um owner battle who was at united now at barcelona um i know they're right backs but yeah i really like the way they play and they're obviously quite attacking as well so it's nice to see players around like around my age as well and are doing well and seeing what I can implement in my game as well. You mentioned Rachel Yankee and Lucy Bronze there and um, they're two England legends and you you've represented some of the England underage groups. How much of a goal is it for you then to maybe play for the Lionesses one day? Yeah definitely I've always had that um, goal in mind and to be honest recently it's come up that I've been able to um, I have the chance to play for Jamaica as well uh, as my for my granddad he's Jamaican and yeah so being able to have two sides really and I think it's more an advantage to myself to be able to show my love for both countries as well but as you said I grew up um, playing for England and yeah it's it's been amazing and I've loved every minute representing the country and yeah hopefully I can push on a bit further on an international basis this year and just see how my season goes in those terms. Definitely. Well, we're looking forward to seeing your your progress this season. And so, so last one, what would be the dream season then for, for Taylor Hines and Liverpool? Winning the league, winning the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, to be honest, I think being realistic, I think being top five um, this season, I think... We're, we're more than capable to achieve that and obviously yeah go as far as we can in these um cups uh the FA Cup and the Conti Cup also but obviously there's just something special about the FA Cup um as well so yeah just seeing how far we can push ourselves in that but yeah definitely I think as a team um being top five I think it's not just a one or two year thing it's a journey and it's a process that you've that I'm going to be a part of and I'm, I love that I'm a part of it. And yeah, I think there's more to come for us for in a few years as well. This week on Talk Sports Women's Football Show, we had our first ever View from the Stands feature as well. Here at Talk Sport, the fans really matter to us. So we'll be catching up with a fan from a WSL club every single week to get your take on the season so far. And this week, we spoke to Arsenal fan Lauren Kaufman, who told us what it was like to be in the stands for that epic 2-1 comeback win over Aston Villa. Yeah, um, amazing. I mean, I sit in kind of block two, what's no, what's kind of called the atmosphere block that the club has set up for us at at the Emirates. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was electric the whole way, even when um it was kind of getting towards the ninetieth minute, and um it was looking like it was going to be another loss. Like the fans were still just incredible the whole time, and then when Beth Mead came on, and then when we scored the goals, it was just yeah, like screaming cheering people ending up in different parts of the of the block and people on you know people's shoulders and things like that 
Amazing. I mean, Jenna was saying earlier on when we were um, analysing your game, she was saying how big the crowd, you know, can be when they're behind you uh, like that. And and that sounds like it was definitely the case. Do you think that home advantage really played a part in those three points? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, I was on the other side to the Villa away support, but I've heard they were great as well. But I think I saw even Carla Ward said at the end of the game how um, how impressed she was with the Arsenal support and the and the fans um, at the Emirates. And yeah, I definitely think, you know, um, this kind of atmosphere block as well is right behind the benches. Um, and, um, you know, I think we connect really well with the players um, and hopefully they can feel it as well. They're always so, um, you know, supportive of us too. How much did Arsenal need that result yesterday? In front of their yeah. home home crowd, Beth Mead back after they've had a bit of a, a tough start to the season. How much did they need that? And especially the manner that in which they got the three points. Yeah, massively. I think, you know, a lot of people were saying, and I would have had to agree, that if that had ended 1-0 to Villa yesterday, that's, you know, our season over in terms of the league in um in October, which, you know, a club of Arsenal's calibre, that that can't be happening. Um, so I think, like you said, the way it happened, the comeback, proving, um, you know, that we can score goals and we can do it late on, um, I think will be really, really important. And also, I think the Emirates have started having a bit of a weird, like, voodoo about it for Arsenal. I think, like, our games there, you know, towards the end of last season um, and also, obviously, start of this season um, have not been going great. Um, whether that is the Emirates itself, I don't know, um, or just, you know, that's that's been the way it's happening. But, so I think to get a result of the Emirates as well was really, really important. That's really interesting, actually, because we were just talking about Anfield from a Liverpool perspective as well, that they haven't managed to to beat Everton when they've played there. And I wonder if it's a thing. I think um, uh, the Chelsea boss Emma Hayes has mentioned it previously as well. I mean, we want to be, you know, eventually selling out the big main stadia. I don't like to call them the men's stadia. It's the club's main stadium. Um, if you like, but when there's such a tight atmosphere at these smaller grounds, that actually it is better in many ways. What's your opinion on it as a fan? I mean, yeah, I think I I personally love Meadow Park as a fan. Like everyone, just, like everyone knows each other there. You have the kind of the people you stand with, the places you stand, the kind of match day experience that we've had for so long. And I do love Meadow Meadow Park, but I do think for the kind of the importance of the women's game in general it's definitely better that we make that move um and i think in the past we've had like some really good experiences at the emirates obviously the the champions league run last year like really um stands out and we won against bayern there and we you know that that really really tough um tight game against wolfsburg there we kind of played incredibly as well um but we also have had some some really you know tough losses there that we shouldn't have to liverpool and last season against the big teams that we played there in the league um uh, our record wasn't great we lost to united um and yeah so i think um we need to kind of work it out if there is something actually about the emirates that that is affecting it. i don't know obviously the pitches bigger the pitches wider i don't know if that plays a part but um as a fan i will be sad to see meadow park go eventually and i do believe it will soon in the next few years but um, kind of as a fan of the women's game in general, I'm, I'm I'm here for the progression. From a fan's point of view, how was it after the early, what was the vibe in the fan camp after the early exit of the Champions League? And I'm not asking that as a 
Spurs fan generally what, <laughs> what, were, your, what were your thoughts um rubbish I would say <laughs> not not good um I think you know a team like Arsenal with the Champions League pedigree in the women's game that we do um we never want to be going out that early um you know I I understand that there were like kind of circumstances around it that kind of like mean that if you like read into it a bit more it kind of um it makes sense like in terms of just come back off um kind of the world cup not much training um you know it was basically a pre-season game for us but it was also the same for Paris um so um and maybe they had less players at the world cup but still so I think um we shouldn't be going out like that they've Paris FC have clearly proved they're a really good team but we want to be going all the way like to go from a few months ago, those incredible Emirates days, selling out the Emirates, um, getting so close to reaching the final, to crashing out, you know, before, well before even the groups. Um, it's just not where you want to be. And I think it does obviously make fans question kind of what's going on at the club in terms of like um, the coaching and the manager. I don't know, like um, kind of why, why that's happening. I think especially then with, was compounded by that loss on the first day of the season to kind of really make us like think what's going on here but I think we just have to I think we've all got to the point now where we know we just have to move on um and it happened but we don't want to dwell on it and we've got to focus kind of domestically on what we're doing and and hope we can kind of now push on especially with the win on the weekend really well in the league and in the cups and yeah try and forget about it which will be hard especially kind of when the groups start up and we see where we could have been but yeah oh yeah that FOMO is not much fun particularly bearing on the run bearing in mind the run you went on uh last season in the uh in the Champions League but just finally Lauren I'm wondering what your aspirations are for the season because you're out of that major competition obviously it's not been the greatest start to the uh to the season what do you think Arsenal can do this season I think we we need to get as close as possible to winning the league. Like, I think we need to be there at least to the final day, if not win it. Personally, I would really love, and I feel like we kind of need to win the league. It's been a while now. We haven't under Jonas. Um, you know, Chelsea obviously going to be, I think, very preoccupied and, and go on another good run in the Champions League. Like, just as we kind of need the league, they kind, they've been pushing for that for so long and they kind of need that. Um, but, Obviously, there's United. We'll see how they, if they end up in the Champions League as well and have that to kind of occupy them too. But I think City have been really, really impressive so far. So I think they'll be up there as well. But um, yeah, I think we need to be fighting for the league and I think we need to win at least um, one cup. Um, Obviously, we won the Conti Cup last year. I think we're all kind of vying for another day out of the Emirates in the FA Cup. Um, Like, that doesn't go the same as last time because that loss to Chelsea a couple of years ago was awful. Um, so yeah, the FA Cup would be lovely, but at least one cup and, you know, ideally the league, but if not, then we have to be up there. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can listen back to the full TalkSport Women's Football Show via the TalkSport app. This week we're on at Monday at 7pm, so just swipe for TalkSport 2. Find Monday and you can listen to the full show then. And make sure you're tuned into the Sunday session on TalkSport with Sam Matterface and Perry Groves this Sunday from 1.30. They'll keep you updated on all the goals as they go in in the last round of WSL games before the international break. We'll be back next Monday when we'll look back on all that action and reflect on Manchester United's second leg Champions League match against PSG. Even on a budget, 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.